Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, one and all. Welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas, and today I have Island Glover, CEO of Koala. How are you, Island? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, just just uh, great to have you here. And so uh, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, tell us all about Koala, what it is, and what you guys do. Koala is a, uh, a blockchain company that is creating uh, the world's first autonomously stabilizing decentralized cryptocurrency, which is a mouthful. Basically, it's a robot that can control its own money supply and create cryptocurrency as needed based on the price in the marketplace. And what it always does is it seeks to make the money supply match the demand such that its price is right at $1. And we call that currency KUSD. Um, this is a protocol coin, which means it's baked into its own blockchain. And that blockchain is a fork of the Ethereum code base, but one that's super, super fast because we replaced the consensus protocol from Ethereum with something called Tendermint, well, a modified version of that. And so it uh, has all the functionality of Ethereum, but it's very, very fast, very inexpensive, and it features a stable cryptocurrency in that environment. And I think those are the two big, the two big things that we're doing, the stable cryptocurrency and this super fast fork of Ethereum. And so why why in particular basing on the dollar? I just I just wanted to find out your Yeah, so the dollar is, you know, you want to make a currency that's relatively stable. You look around the world and you want something and for us in particular, 
Um, ultimately, maybe we want something that is based on multiple currencies or maybe a basket of consumer goods and so forth, right? This is the ultimate dream. But in the meantime, we, we're in an industry that has basically 0% market penetration. We want to make products that are useful for real people. And if you want to do that, then you have to recognize that, that uh, fiat currencies and those, their values are, are just ingrained in people's minds and their habits. And the dollar is the biggest currency brand in the world right now. And that's why we chose that for the first one. Oh, okay. So use kind of the, the, the like you said, the, the most popular kind of the lightning rod currency in order to make sure to, to, to get the most, uh, to, to draw the most attention and get the most people uh, easily on board. Yeah, it just exactly. It makes it easier for people to adopt. So if you look at narrow money supply uh, around the globe, I think, I think the number is around 36 trillion right now. And 70% of that is in dollars. So narrow money means the money that's in your wallet or the money that's in your bank account. So that means that, that most of the fiat sloshing around today is U.S. dollars. So it's sort of an obvious, an obvious choice for that reason. And, and so how did Koala come about? What's, how does the company? My co-founder, John Rotano, is a, um, an incredible software architect and engineer. And he, have, he and I have worked on different projects for many years together. And he created his first cryptocurrency in 2012. It's called Neutrino, a privacy coin. And I had been thinking about the problems with cryptocurrency. And I wanted to call him and recruit him to be the CTO in a project. He actually called me before I called him because he was going to try to recruit me to be the CEO of a, a social media platform that he wanted to develop. And so we got into this discussion. <laughs> so we agreed that we would, we both obviously wanted to work together on a new project. Um, and we agreed that we would try to convince each other, and I won, basically. So um, the idea the idea for the company was very the answer to a, a very simple but powerful question. And that, that question was, hey, we're huge fans of blockchain, of the Bitcoin in particular, and think that it's an amazing world-changing technology. So why here, this is at the end of 2015, by the way, why after all of these years in the marketplace is no one using it? Why, why, why is no one using it? What's going on? What's preventing that? And that's what started us on this journey because we decided we wanted to we wanted to identify those obstacles to mass adoption and to fix them so that the world at large can enjoy the benefits of cryptocurrency. So you two are obviously fated to work together in in some form since you're getting ready to call each other. <laughs> I think so. I mean, you know, you meet those uh, maybe one or two people in life uh, who have very complementary set of skills, you know. Um, and who, you know, we, we kind of joked, we're like brothers from another mother or something, you know. So um, you, you see eye to eye. And so when you, when you find those people, you've got to hang on to those relationships and, and, and they can bear a lot of fruit over the years. And I think that's, um, that's our particular co-founder love story. <laughs> so so uh, we've, done, we've done different projects together and work really well together and uh, hopefully make up for each other's weaknesses from time to time. So, so would it be fair to say that part of Koala's ultimate mission is to become that bridge for mass adoption? That's, that's exactly what we're up to. That's, that's what we're up to, mass adoption of cryptocurrency. And so we want to do, we want to provide all of the, the pieces of infrastructure, really, that are needed to trigger that mass adoption. It's still not quite possible today. Uh, and, and, when, and when first interfacing with Koala or first engaging with you guys, what's the onboarding process like? Now, when you say that, or do you mean for the users of the stable? Oh, for, oh I'm, I'm sorry, for the for the actual users. Yeah, for How the do actual they, users. Uh, it's day one. It's day one, and I'm starting with Koala. What am I doing? Yeah. So, along with the 
blockchain that I mentioned and the stable cryptocurrency, we're also creating a wallet app. I think that's, um, that's sort of an understatement. Uh, what we're trying to do is to make a very, very user-friendly um, uh, way for people to store, send, spend, secure their money, which in this case would be KUSD and some other currencies that we're going to support. And so um, we want users to be able to get their hands on this currency. The very, very first users will unfortunately have to acquire it from an exchange or by using something similar to Shapeshift. So it's not just like, you know, walking down, running your credit card or something for the very, very first users. Um, but shortly thereafter, we want to add additional features to that wallet that make it kind of like Venmo. In other words, it allows users to connect with their social network so that they can move into and out of cryptocurrency, like crypto for, for uh, you know, traditional cash, um, whenever they need to by using their own social family and friend network. Okay, so I'm so familiar with the concept, how you were using Venmo as the example. What exactly is Shapeshift? Shapeshift is a, it's a type of exchange, but you don't go onto the exchange. It allows you to convert one kind of cryptocurrency into another. So it just allows you to do that kind of like at the push of a button. Oh, so it's basically like a, like a conversion. It's a conversion, yeah. So it, it usually gets um, integrated in uh, with apps like like ours. Um, so we're using, uh, I saw on your website, actually, that you or one of your colleagues interviewed Paul Pui from Edge. And uh, we're actually using a lot of the Edge back-end wallet technology and a piece of that puzzle that Edge provides is uh, this Shapeshift integration. And Shapeshift is another company that's based in Denver. So, so bringing these pieces of the puzzle together to make it easy, as easy as possible for people to get into KUSD and then, of course, send it around, uh, spend it, save it, and so on. Ah, and, 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 and now I know you, you kind of touched on this a little earlier, but, but uh, as far as the future of Koala, the next 12 months or 24 months or maybe even beyond that. What does the roadmap for Koala look like? Yeah, so we've been at this. I mentioned the, the date 2015. We started at the end of 2015 with the, just some ideas. But we've been working pretty intensely for now a couple of years. And we're in a phase now uh, called testnet. That means that it's uh, the technology, um, major portions of it are built. They're operating. That's, that's publicly available. I'd love for your listeners to go check us out at testnet.koala.io. Um, and participate. And we'll soon be going, the next couple of weeks, we're moving into the next phase of that testing. And that, what happens then is that we distribute what's called MUSD or mining tokens to the holders of those tokens. The, min the miners in our system are, um, I mean, you could, might almost say it's a proof of stake system, uh, but the stakes that they use are these mining tokens that we, that we uh, have sold to them. And so they are going to then um, fire up their nodes, connect to the network, uh, but it'll be a network that's that's really still offline, meaning the KUSD stablecoin will not be available yet to the public at large because we'll be doing some additional testing. Around the end of June, we think we're going to be ready, depending on what happens in testing, um, ready to uh, really give birth on a small scale to the stable cryptocurrency KUSD out there in the wild. And then we want to start building it from there. KUSD, we envision as being the first of uh, at least a handful of these stable coins that are designed to track different fiat currencies. Uh, we've already had quite a lot of interest, for example, in a KCNY. So that would be a um, 
Chinese yuan and uh, K ruble, so Russian ruble and so on. So we depend, depending on that demand and what we, if we think that there is a, uh, a, a really good use case for these different, what we call K coins, these different stable coins, we will begin to roll those out afterwards as well. We, as I mentioned, we'll be launching the wallet app at the same time that the stable coin KUSD is, is released. And then we'll be adding versions to that later. We'll also be very busy um, working to make deals with partners like um, uh, in the early days, maybe uh, exchanges who, who may contact us and want to list to list the stable coin, but also others. Um, so wallet providers, uh, payment platforms, and so forth. We want to make sure that we can work early on to get KUSD accepted and used in as many places as possible. Now, that sounds like you've already done a lot of work since the end of 2015, uh, like you said. And can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the difficulties that you've encountered just getting to this point, getting to this, like I said, just getting as far as you have today? Absolutely. There are, there are, there are many, many, right? Because um, creating a, a robot that can, that, can, that can make a stable coin and maintain it in a robust way is uh, not easy at all. So there are many uh, steps along the way. So you have to decide, you know, what you want to do, how you might be able to pull it off technologically. Then you have some ideas about that. Then you build some things and you test them and you find some of your ideas don't work in, in reality. So you have to go back to the drawing board a little bit. So there, there are many iterations as you go through the process. I think one of the biggest challenges that the entire industry has had over the last 24 months really has been understanding what the regulatory situation was going to be like. You know, so if you're if you're guys like us, you're entrepreneurs, you want to bring an amazing technology to the world at large, and you also want to be compliant. But you can't always be compliant if you if you don't know what the rules actually are and no one knows what the rules are. So I think that the regulatory front has been this moving target and uh, I feel that we've been kind of lucky. We've been sort of conservative in our approach not to do anything um, too risky from a regulatory standpoint, and I think that's put us in a really good position. But it's 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 hard not to know exactly where you stand because you can, you don't know exactly which decisions to make along the way. So it will be nice if we get some regulatory clarity over the coming months, and who knows if we will, but hopefully we will. It's funny that you mentioned that that too about the regulatory part of it because if you think about it, it's it's it becomes this issue of well. Well, what do you do to try to stay on the good side of, of regulators, or how do you define what might what ideas are not too out there where you might end up being red flag? Because as we've seen, I mean, as we saw just recently, lawmakers don't even understand how Facebook works for the most part. Right. So that's right. So how do you define? I mean, I mean, like I said, as a company in your position, how do you? figure out or define, well, what ideas might be too out there or might draw the wrong kind of attention from regulators? Yeah. So we work closely with lawyers at great expense. Um, great people, very smart people, but of course it's not free. <laughs> so that's one way. And you try to you try to understand all the nuances of the laws and, and so on. But I think the, a bigger way um, that informs our decisions is, you know, you want to understand what the motivation and what the mission is of these different regulatory bodies. So if you take the Securities and Exchange Commission, for example, uh, it's really clear. They're, they're there. They're, they exist to protect um, the small kind of retail investors, and they want to make sure that those investors are not defrauded, that they have full information to make wise decisions, and that the, uh, the market is regulated in a way that will, will prevent you know, anything really bad from happening, like you know, a nice old lady from losing her 
savings because of some kind of uh, scheme that someone cooks up. So if you understand what they're there for and what their mission is and what they're trying to do, um, then you can, you know, get some idea at least about how to how to comply with that with that mission. So you know, for our for us, it's it's very straightforward. We we you know we want to provide a tool that people can use in um, their financial lives, and um, and so what we've done is just educated ourselves as best as possible and tried to uh, tried to really steer give a wide berth to anything that could be uh, possibly encroaching on dangerous territory when it comes to these regulators. And so you, you do your best and um, and then you have, you know, hopefully an open dialogue when it makes sense with those regulatory bodies so they can understand what you're doing, um, who you are, and how your product works. Great. And so uh, and, and so I know we, we, we've talked about some of the difficulties that you face getting to this point, but what are some of the, the main things that you were looking at as achievements so far getting to this point? Well, I think, I think we were you know, I think one big achievement is to is to understand what's needed from the marketplace. If you want to be an entrepreneur, uh, you're trying to anticipate what's missing, what what some what some group really really needs, and and then you want to try to step in and fill that need. And I feel one of our big achievements was to recognize early on that uh, stable cryptocurrency was a big big need that was required for cryptocurrency to become valuable, not just to consumers. But also uh, for businesses, uh, for merchants, uh, for payment platforms, and so forth. And so, um, as you know, you, you've I read that you have done many interviews in, in this field. So I know you know a lot of different uh, people, and you've probably seen some of the changes that have taken place in the industry over the last few years. And what's happened is there's been a, a slow move away, or let's say, you know, new mem- new people coming in. Uh, who are not just fanatically focused on sort of, you know, maybe even the religion of Bitcoin or the religion of Ethereum or something, but starting to think more practically about um, how these tools can be made more useful to more people around the world. And so I, I'm, I think that we did a good job of anticipating that need early on and that we also did a good job of designing a system that retained all of the benefits of cryptocurrency, so the decentralization and the fact that it's not asset-backed and so on, that Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin and others, uh, these characteristics they have, while also starting to work on this really hard problem of, of stable cryptocurrency. Stabilizing cryptocurrency, basically, it, it would ultimately give us more options in terms of how we can use it. And like you said, it would go it would go a long way toward the mass adoption. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you can't run your personal life really on Bitcoin if it's going to have 30% swings in any kind of direction because you you can't plan effectively and businesses can't run you know if you take a business uh, a normal business with maybe operating a large business say with operating margins of something like you know five ten fifteen percent you can't have dramatic swings in the value of the, the currency that you're using to pay your suppliers and your employees and that you're taking in uh, from sales and so on it just doesn't work and so. The vast majority of the world economy is really functionally blocked at this point from using cryptocurrency. And that's why you've seen the real growth industries in the crypto and blockchain space have been exchanges, um, trading, and so on. Everything that's, that, that really feeds off of uh, volatility. But the more traditional businesses have been uh, almost absent. And so we want that to change. And so you have to change 
that volatility factor uh, on at least some cryptocurrency so that so that these other entrants can come into the marketplace. And so the, the, the introduction of, as you said, the, the, the KUSD and these other currencies becoming more stabilized with that, like, like you said, if it, if traditional business becomes uh, adopts it more or mass adopts it, does that completely take away the volatility or just reduce it to a certain level? Yeah, so it's really the other way around. It's almost like you have to reduce the volatility in order to get them to start accepting it. And so um, because that's they need they need a stable currency of some type or another to, to to function properly. So we want to provide that piece of infrastructure so that so that that adoption and so that they're open to adopt it in the first place so that it's useful for them. Um, so that's that's kind of the way that we see it. Understood. Understood. And in, in your opinion, uh, and this is an idea I've heard of before. Do you do you envision a future where some of the world's governments are most more than likely trying to create their own cryptocurrencies or digging into the space in order to try to keep citizenry kind of close to them? That's happening now. That's happening now. Uh, some of the biggest countries in the world uh, have pretty good information. They are they are working, getting closer to launching their own official cryptocurrencies based on their own based on their own currency. And so this is awesome on the one hand and it's also a little scary on the other hand because you know bitcoin cryptocurrency has this anonymizing um ability to some extent but it also can be used to track everything absolutely everything every transaction you know time the parties it flows from um it can track money as it moves on any quantity any time of day and have a full and perfect history of all that movement. And so state-backed cryptocurrencies, I think we can expect will come with a, a much higher uh, level of surveillance. So that's okay for certain applications. You know, you might want, you might want um, the government to know, for example, that you, that you paid your taxes on time, for example. Um, but we also think that there's probably going to be a demand for currencies that are free from, from, from governments. Um, and this is not to you know, to try to subvert the system, but just to provide a tool that is really useful for a marketplace. We also think that we're going to um, beat most of these governments to market and that um, that we're moving into an era where governments are not the only entities who can create currency networks. And so and so these things are changing. Blockchain is enabling that. And we want to be a big part of that. But yes, expect expect state sponsored cryptocurrencies soon. Oh well, in terms of uh, well, in terms of speed, I don't think we have to worry about that. In terms of how quickly we'll see it, I definitely right. think we'll see. I definitely right. think we'll see uh, everybody else first. That's right. There, there are a lot of things to work out. You know, it's the whole uh, turning around the battleship metaphor. It's hard when you have a very, very large organization like a government, um, many different moving parts, lots of regulations. You have to incorporate all of that into the design of your of your currency. So. You know the current the, the governments that are more autocratic that is you know that are less democratic that have fewer fewer voices that have to be heard and accounted for um, they probably will end up moving faster realistically than than you know those of us living in messy democracies so um, it's just easier for them maybe smaller countries too might be able to move more quickly okay so the so the idea that you touched upon earlier about the, having uh, as far as the the K currency uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're Basically, the, the the ultimate vision there would definitely be the basket of various currencies, right? Like that's kind of a near future thing. Yeah, you want to give pe- people useful tools. What you know, we tend to think 
you know, I'm I'm an American. I grew up here. I live here most of the time. I tend to think in dollar U.S. dollars. You know, I've been spending them uh, for a long time, and we're swimming in U.S. dollars all the time. That's the currency that we use. There are 1,500 some odd different types of crypto assets currently, maybe probably more. And what people don't realize is that there are going to be millions. There'll be millions of different types of tokens because you're going to have many facets of life and of the economy that are tokenized over the coming years. So what will happen is you're going to be able to spend, you're going to be able to look in your digital wallet and maybe see a hundred different things that you own that are tokenized. Some of them might be security tokens. You know, some of them might be real estate tokens where you you own a piece of an office building with another 2,000 people. And you're going to be able to spend any of those things you choose on, at the spur of the moment because they'll be converted instantaneously into the form that's desired by the payee. So this is a different model that's coming um, of multiple currencies across the world uh, available at all the time at all times. And uh, it's just something that takes a little while to get used to. That's all it takes a little while to get used to. But you, you will not have these dominant regional currencies, uh, at least dominate, dominating wallet share, I should say. It won't be dominating wallet share anymore. Uh, and, and, and as far as what would be your final thoughts in terms of what you would want our audience to take away about Koala? What would be the, the big takeaway or the final thoughts about? I think, you know, what I'd, I want them to come and check out, join our Telegram community, um, the Koala community on Telegram, and really participate, participate in this revolution that's taking place. And they can do that by learning about the projects like ours, um, communicating directly with us, being some of the first users of these wallets and these currencies that are coming out, and giving feedback and being a part of the story. Uh, it's happening, it's unfolding around us, and it's a really big deal. And I think that it would be um, very gratifying for them uh, personally, but also potentially financially, you know, to, to learn about this stuff now and get involved. So that's what I would exhort them to do. Okay. That's excellent. That'll work. And let me just thank you, Island, for being on the show, granting us this interview. And and what's the uh, what's the best way for our our listeners to engage with Koala? They can go to koala.tech. That's K-O-W-A-L-A dot T-E-C-H. And from there, they can learn about what we're doing on whatever social media stream they like. They can join our Telegram channel and so forth. So I would encourage them to go there to learn more. And then they can they can follow us in the ways that they're already comfortable with. Okay, so koala.tech. And thank yeah. you, Island. Thank you, Island, again for for granting us this interview, and we thank you for your time and your expertise. I appreciate it. Thank you. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. 
If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.